Amen. I've asked Eliseo if he would learn the organ, so be praying for him. Hallelujah. How many like that old Hammond sound? I know it's not in the Bible, but <laughs> some things are just generational, you know. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and, and 5. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. To redeem. Everybody say to redeem. redeem. Amen. If you want to redeem your grilled cheese sandwiches. All donations will go to missions as Sister Karina said. And Joe told me. He said can I do grilled cheese sandwiches? I want to do something for missions. So. Even if you don't eat it, buy it. Praise the Lord. Give it to somebody else. Amen. Thank you, Brother Joe, for that burden. Praise God. Amen. Redeem. Redeem. I told Kristen, I said, won't you sing that song, I've Been Redeemed? She said, Dad, come on. <laughs> I want to preach on the price of redemption. You may be seated. The price of redemption. Amen. Redeem. Everybody say that again. Redeem. Is not a religious idea in its origin. Although it morphed into a religious term. And biblically also. Uh, God can redeem us from our sicknesses. He can redeem us from captivity. Amen. Psalms talks about his redemption power. But it simply means to buy back. Everybody say buy back. To buy back. And in its origin, redeem comes from the patriarchal society. Now, I used a big word there, patriarchal. I'm not talking about patriots, okay? Especially the New England patriots. But anyways, if you have been through exploring God's word or search for truth, home Bible study, by the way, if you haven't, you can go through it. Amen, brother? Praise the Lord. And, and so... You learn in, in the first lesson, or the second lesson, if you don't make it through the first, but by the second lesson, you've learned that in the beginning, after the fall of Adam and Eve, it was what we call the time of the patriarchs. Patriarchs means Paul. Paul means dad or father. Father ruled. Believe it or not, there was a time that fathers actually ruled the house. <laughs> That's scary. And then uh, 
there were, if it was a mother rule, it would have been called matriarchal. Okay, but it's patriarchal. And so basically, it was a father, grandfather that ruled a clan. I don't know if you remember the missionary we had from Fiji, but he was raised in the Eastern type of culture where he said it was his grandmother, his grandfather, his mother, uh, his dad, his brothers, his sisters, his aunts, his uncles. They all lived kind of in like one big place there. And, and it was ca it's called a clan. And oftentimes, biblically, they would have a patriarch or one man that would rule the family. Amen. And the father of this clan, and this is kind of nice. Might want to go back to it. But <laughs> the father took care of all the needs of the household. Abraham, if you've heard of him in the Bible, and many of you have, but there, some of you may not have, but Abraham was a patriarch. You find him in the book of Genesis. And whatever resources you had, all of it went to the patriarch. Every dime. So go ahead and open up your wallets and start bringing it up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we in Western culture have a hard time with this because we are so individual rights based. Amen. And I'm not saying that I'm against Western culture because I'm not. I appreciate the blessings of the Lord. But don't think that you're going to be all right independent of having God as your father. Amen. So, but everything would go to the patriarch. All, everything you possess belong to that patriarch. Every dime. But in return, the patriarch's job is to make sure that all of your needs are met. That you are fed that you are clothed, that you are housed, and that the family is comfortable as best as the patriarch is able to provide. Amen. How many like that, men? Now, if one person gets marginalized... And what I mean by that, for example, if somebody in that household gets taken captive or is lost or is injured and can't get back to the home, it is the job of the patriarch to get you back into the household, whatever the cost. Let's say you had a family item that you lost through maybe you had a hard time and and you lost it for some reason and you had to sell it or something like that it would be the job of the patriarch to buy it back to redeem it and get it back into the family because the family is so important 
for the patriarch to take care of. So it didn't matter the cost. Amen. The patriarch would try to redeem it back. That's where redemption comes from. That's where re the word redeem comes from. For example, how many remember in the Genesis, uh, Lot. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. And his father dies. Nahor dies. And so Lot, uh, uh, Abraham takes Lot into his family and part of his clan. And, and then their herds grow. They're, they're blessed. Uh, their families are. Now, Abraham was a rich man in their time. But to us, we would think they had humble beginnings. Okay? Though they had much... Uh, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have McDonald's. They didn't have all these luxuries that we have. But, but in their time, they would have been considered rich. In our time, it would have been basically considered a humble beginning. But Abraham and Lot gathered much. And it came to the point where Abraham herdsmen's and Lot's herdsmen were fighting each other. And that's when Abraham made the decree. Lot, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Amen. Whatever you, let's not fight with one another. But let's uh, divide peacefully. And you go your way, I'll go my way. So that our herds can live comfortably. That's how big we've grown. And Lot looked out at the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he chose the plains that were well watered. And the Bible says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Amen. I could preach on that a little while. And maybe I will. Praise God. So the next time you read of Lot, he's living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you say, well, what's so bad about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, the Bible says they were wicked cities. Amen. They were very vile cities. And homosexuality reigned in those cities. And, and, and he moved his family there. Which goes to show you, wherever you pitch your tent towards, usually that is where you're going to end up. Amen. Let me tell you something. There's some things that the church preaches against. And you need to get this in your minds. And, I, and we need to explain this somehow a little bit better. There are some things that the church preaches against that is not necessarily wrong or sinful yet but the reason the church preaches against it is because it's where is it pointing us is it pointing us toward the kingdom of God and going to heaven or is it pointing us toward Sodom and Gomorrah and sometimes leadership understands that if we point that way it won't be a few generations we'll be living there you ought to clap your hands to the Lord. Will you clap your hands to the Lord? Praise God. There's some, just some habits we don't want to get into. Amen. And so Lot, which kind of seems to be a pain in Abraham's side, wasn't his son to begin with, but it was family. It was part of the clan Lot moves into Sodom and Gomorrah and at this, I think it's chapter 14 where Chedo he's got this name about this long 
King Chedorlaomer and four other kings come against Sodom and Gomorrah and a few more cities and they take captive they defeat Sodom and Gomorrah and they take Lot and his household captive well somebody escaped and ran to Abraham well, what's Abraham worried about it for and said your nephew Lot has been taken captive so he left a few years ago that's not the way it works though he's living somewhere else he's still part of the family he's still part of the clan he's still a relative if you please and so Abraham the Bible says gathers up his uh, hundred I think it's 113 or so men trained servants and he goes after Lot now you might say well it's because he loved Lot and I'm sure he did love Lot even though he was a pain in the side at times but that's not the reason Abraham went after Lot the reason Abraham went after Lot is because that was his job as a patriarch that's what he was supposed to do he was supposed to redeem his nephew back from being taken captive and get him back and that's why Abraham went after Lot and he defeated the enemies that were holding Lot and he not only set Lot free but he ended up bringing everything back that was taken from Sodom and Gomorrah you read about Melchizedek there but my point to show you is Abraham as the patriarch felt responsible to get his nephew Lot back because he was part of the clan it was his job sometimes it's again it's not easy to take care of the responsibilities that you have to take care of but the Bible tells us that we are to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's not whether I enjoy necessarily doing it. It's not necessarily whether I love my children. Amen. Though we do love our children and all that helps. But the fact is there's a lot of people that don't raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But because I am a patriarch, because I am the leader of my family, it's my responsibility whether they want it or not to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord quiet I got a few amens but it's our responsibility amen I love that testimony brother T gave about raising his kids and many times you know many father would have walked away and made many excuses about it but he said something that just stirred my heart amen he said I couldn't walk away He's seen so many fathers do it, but he said, I, I couldn't do that. Amen. That's because you were the patriarch of your family and you took your responsibility seriously. Can you say praise the Lord? And your children may not be living with you, Dad, but it's your responsibility. Abraham wasn't living with, I mean, Lot wasn't living with Abraham, but he still felt it his responsibility. Right. Amen. Amen? Amen? Is that all right? The patriarch 
does whatever it takes to bring you back in. Amen. The patriarchal household is called the father's house. Everybody say the father's house. And restoring to the household is what redeeming is all about. Jesus said, didn't he? I came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. I come to buy it back. I come to find it. Amen. And he said, he said this also. He said, in my father's what? House are many mansions or rooms or dwelling places. Remember, patriarchal society, everybody lived together uh, usually. Amen. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He talked about the lost sheep, didn't he? Now the shepherd goes and he looks for the lost sheep. Amen. It's all about redeeming that which is lost. God rescues his children and restores them back to the house. That's redemption. And it doesn't matter the price. He's willing to pay the price. Now in a patriarchal society, when a father died, it was the eldest son. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> in a patriarchal society, it was the eldest son who got most of the resources. Now, you think, well, Isaac got him. Well, Ishmael was a work of the flesh. God doesn't recognize works of the flesh. And Isaac, Ishmael was sent away. And then, of course, God said, take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, and offer him unto me. But it was Isaac who got the blessing of Abraham, everything that Abraham had. Except Abraham, if you're not aware of this, married again after Sarah died. Wow, what a man, huh? And had, what, six more children. Whoa, you know. He's old when Isaac was born. Amen. And after that, the Bible says he gave them gifts, but he gave all unto Isaac. Praise God. He gave the resources unto Isaac, and Isaac became the patriarch of the home. Now, I want you to try something at Christmas time. Sister Estrada, you can try this. I want you to uh, give the eldest twice as many gifts as all the other kids. And see what happens. <laughs> you think that'll work? Yeah. And say, yeah. <laughs> and say, that's just the way it is around here. We're not that way, are we? We're all about being fair. It ain't fair. 
<laughs> yeah, if you're the oldest, right? <laughs> you know, looking to see. We, we used to get, on Saturday night, we used to get a glass of pop and potato chips. And watch my three sons. <laughs> Got carnal there, but let me move back. So. Anyways, I didn't like ice in my drink. I felt like I'd get more. <laughs> but my sister showed me, she said, now, you don't have ice, and you've got this, but you just, and the other had ice, but you have just as much as this one that it's got ice. Why was she going to the such trouble? Because it was all about being fair and making sure Rhonda didn't get any more than I got. <laughs> or the older sisters. <laughs> and so, and so it's, it, 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 in our society, it just doesn't work that way. But in the patriarchal society, and, and I'll tell you, there's a lot, let me tell you what the problem in our society, there's a lot of jealousy in our society. And in our, there's a lot of jealousy in the church. Shouldn't be there. Amen. God blesses who he wants to bless, praise God. But, but if somebody gets a little praise over here, we're counting how many times the pastor praises this one compared to this one. Get rid of that. God knows it all, doesn't he? Amen. God knows it all. Hallelujah. And the only reward that's really going to count is the ones he gives out. But in their society, in the patriarchal society, the eldest got the resources while everybody else celebrated. Now you kind of understand the parable of the prodigal son, you know, the eldest son. He's thinking, well, all these resources are going to him. But part of it was, son, we're about redemption. It, it is meet that we should celebrate. Everything that I own is yours. I'm not giving it to him. Amen. I'm just celebrating because what the household is about is redemption. And he rebukes his older son for, for pouting about him killing the fatted calf. But, but in this society, it, well, hey, my older brother, he got it all. Well, your older brother has... Older brother, he gets it all. That's time to celebrate. Come on, eldest brother's got it all. Praise God. Why? Because that means he's got to take care of me. He's got to make sure I got clothes. He's got to make sure I got food. Hey, with blessings comes responsibility. Hallelujah. And biblically, God is the Father. And his household is his family, the family of God, his community. And he gave a double portion of resources to his oldest son, his firstborn son. Who was his firstborn son? No. Exodus 4 tells us it was Israel. 
was his firstborn son. Hey, Israel, I'm giving you... Now, what's the first part of that story? He made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Isaac. He made a promise to Jacob. And he promised him that land, right? And he made him part of his family. He says, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless all of the nations of the world. He made a promise to him. Okay? Well, now they're captive in Egypt. But what's it the patriarch supposed to do? He's supposed to redeem back. So he calls Moses. Oh, and about the burning bush. Can I tell you, the burning bush had always been burning. It was just that Moses took a little time to see the burning bush and, and find out what it was all about. Amen. Sometimes we just don't take time. God's always moving. Amen. God's always here. The problem is we aren't listening. We aren't looking. We aren't paying attention. We're so distracted by everything else when he would love to speak to us. But the Bible says Moses turned aside to see why this bush wasn't being burned up. And from there God called Moses, I want you to go deliver my people from Egypt. They're taken captive. They're in bondage. And I'm here to tell you, he used those plagues. He used those miracles because it didn't matter what the cost. It didn't matter what Pharaoh did. God was going to get his people out of Egypt. He was going to do whatever it took to get them out and praise God when you're a son of God God's going to do whatever it takes to get you out you keep holding on come on somebody will you preach with me you keep holding on deliverance is on its way because it's the patriarch's job to get you out he got them out everybody say he got them out he says, I'm going to give you a double portion of all my resources. You're my firstborn, born unto him. So he gave them double of any other nation in the world. Do you know why? Not because he loved them more. He gave them a double portion because he said, I want you to bring my lost children of the other nations back into the father's house so Israel got all of these blessings again not because God loved them more or liked them more than somebody else he wasn't playing favorites amen God picked amen to say you're the oldest son now you Israel take care of everybody else I want you to partner with me and take care and bring those other nations in to my house praise God hallelujah bring them back in that's redeem that's redeem God redeemed them. He redeemed Israel out of Egypt. And now he wants Israel to help him redeem those lost nations out of the world. Not, amen. Now they were to become partners. Israel, as his firstborn, was become a partner in redeeming. Now, sometimes Israel did a great job. A lot of times, they kept the resources to themselves. 
I could preach here a while. It's like the man who told Brother Urshan, he was superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. He said, Brother Urshan, pray for my business. I need prayer for my business. Brother Urshan said, okay, I'll pray for it. Man, his business started getting blessed. Money started rolling in. So he said, Brother Urshan, I need to have another meeting with you. He said, what is it, son? He said, man, I'm making so much money. I can't, I can't afford to pay my tithes. Making, you know what I'm be given? Brother Urshan said, okay. That's okay, son. He said, I'll pray God takes your business back to the level where you can afford to pay tithes. All right. God doesn't bless you with resources so that you can keep it to yourself. But that's often what Israel did. And oftentimes they would do all they could to keep his lost children out. So God says, I'm going to have another second firstborn. My only begotten firstborn. And what's his name? Jesus. And Jesus came. Now, I'm, I'm running through this fast, okay? But my only begotten firstborn, Jesus, he says, and with all the resources of his heavenly father, as the very son of God, God was going to give him everything he needed to bring all of his lost children back into the father's house now we know that jesus lived and he died he died on a cross amen to pay an enormous debt for our sin it goes on like the story of hosea what was hosea about god told him hosea the prophet hosea he says i want you to marry a harlot i want you to go down to the house and i want you to get a harlot. i want you to marry her gomer was her name and he marries this harlot Amen. And, and, and lo and behold, what is, you talk about redemption. You talk about somebody living in shame. But it's a story about redemption. Hosea goes down and he, he marries her. Wife means purchased one. And he purchases her and he marries her. And what's he, he's made her part of the family. He's made her part of the household. And then all of a sudden we find out she likes her old ways better. And so she leaves Hosea. Amen. And, and then finally she runs out of money. She runs in a hard time. And, and it's so hard they're going to sell her as a slave. She's on the auction block. And God goes down. He says, now go buy her back. Huh? She's part of the household. We're going to pay the price to get her back in. Amen. And he goes down and he bids on his own wife. Amen. You talk about redemption. You talk about paying the price. He pays the price and he brings her back and he restores her back. That's, can I tell you, that's what God did for us. And it doesn't matter where you came from. How, how dirty you are or were he paid the price for you and me 
Jesus paid that great debt of sin so that we can go to heaven. But it's bigger than that. It's more than that. It's part of being the household of God. It's part of becoming the family of God. That's why our church needs, as long as the makeup of the people in this community are black, white, Hispanic, amen, Asian, Indian, it doesn't matter. Amen. They're part of the family of God. And it's our job to get them into the household of God. Not say, well, you go over there, you go over here. No, it's here. Clap your hands to the Lord. Shout with the voice of praise to him because he's redeemed you. He's redeemed me. He said, I'm going to prepare a place in my father's house. He says, and I'm going to entrust you now. I want you. And, and, and Mark says, go preach the gospel to what? Oh, come on. We know our Bibles, don't we? Go preach the gospel to us. Every creature. Mark. Mark tells us, go preach the gospel to every creature. The Great Commission. Go make disciples. Go and do what I've done. I'm partnering with you. Amen. Go and preach this gospel. What is the gospel? Well... It's rough. I don't know if you want what I got. For the Lord, 50 years now. Some people live for the Lord with a frown on their face. Like, you know, like you're doing God a favor. I thought gospel means good news. Good news. What's the good news? You who were lost. You who were captive to sin. Amen. You who were far off. Amen. And, and Paul says it was a mystery that the Gentiles were coming in. Amen. But it was you, praise God, that now the good news is you, 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 brother, can be a part of the household of God. Like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob, like Jesus. Come on, stand and praise him. Stand and praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise him. Say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, we're not dismissing it now. Go ahead and sit down. <laughs> we'll keep asking you to stand still you, still you do, still, still, till you do it on your own. Praise God. I'm just glad you're in a church where you can be free to worship God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said, now I'm entrusting you, Life Tabernacle. I'm entrusting you, your job. Go look for my lost family. That's why he says, go into the highways, the byways, and compel them what to come into part of the family of God. Not that they have to gather here. God's family's bigger than that. Aren't you glad it's worldwide? Redeem them in the blood of my son. And redeem means to bring them back 
into the family. Jesus was willing to be shamed on a cross. <laughs> you know, when he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Because he knew one of the worst ways. And somebody said it wasn't even necessarily the crucifixion itself, but it was the fact that he without sin was becoming sin for us. But the fact, he didn't say, I'm glad he didn't say, you know, Father, I'll die. And that, not that way. I ain't paying that cost. He didn't say that. He didn't pray that. God was willing to pay the ultimate price. The sacrifice on his son. Not where Jesus just got his head cut off. Not that that's easy. But the fact that he died one of the most horrible deaths on a cross. He paid the ultimate price. For what? For redemption. And if you choose to stay out of his household, that's your choice. But he paid a price that I don't want to let go of, that I want to cling to, and I want to claim that, honey, devil, you can't keep me. You've got to let me go. You know why they celebrate Juneteenth and, and June? Correct me if I'm wrong on my history here. I moved to Texas. I heard something about Juneteenth. We never heard it in Ohio. But somehow, nobody knows the exact day that the proclamation that the slaves were set free. But it was on the 10th, 13th, 14th, 15th, one of them 10th days. So we said, we don't know the exact day. We just know it was on the 10th. Amen. And we're free. Hallelujah. I don't know exactly the date that Calvary took place, but I know this, that it did take place. And the fact that it did, devil, I'm free. You can't keep me. You can't keep me. I'm free. That's the good news. I'm part of the family, the household of God. That was why the thief on the cross come on into the household of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me quickly finish up. Abraham. Now, we know who these strangers are. Because the Bible tells us who they are. They come to Abraham. It was Genesis 18. The Lord and two angels. But Abraham doesn't know that. He sees three. I wouldn't say that they told Abraham that. But he sees they're strangers. He's sitting in his tent and he sees them out yonder. And the Bible says that he gets up and he runs to them. And I might have this before, but Abraham was an old man. In that culture, it was a shame for old men to run. It was undignified for an old man to run. Old men walked. The young men ran. But Abraham to meet some, not somebody he knew, not somebody that was actually part of his family. They were strangers to him. But he ran to them. And he brings them back. And he sits them down. And he says, 
let me wash your, let me feed you, wash your sheep. I know somebody else who goes there about washing feet too. Amen. But he says, wash her. And then he runs to Sarah and he says, fix three measures of meal and break bread. And he goes and he has a, 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 a lamb killed to feed them. And he's going to feed them. And he tells her of the flower. He tells her to pick the best flower that there is. The type of flower was the best flower. It was the expensive stuff. You know, it's the steak that you have in your refrigerator for, or your freezer for your anniversary. And when I come over, you're not going to give me that steak. <laughs> but it's the, it's the best steak. And in other words, he's saying, get the, but the three measures of flour. Do you know how much flour that was? 50 to 75 pounds. Have you ever seen somebody try to bake bread by hand? I'm sure she had servants helping her. He was baking enough bread for those servants that would last them three months. Amen. What was he doing? He was saying, I'm willing to pay the cost. I'm willing to be that example. I'm willing to welcome in strangers because they're not part of the household, but I'm willing to make them part of the household, and I'm willing to go the expense to the expense to do it. Amen. And and they sat down. Of course, they tell them what he had came to do later. He finds out, but there, he, that's what I'm wanting to point out is Abraham. It didn't matter that it cost him, even though they were strangers. He was willing to give them the best and he was willing for it to cost him something. Amen. To bring them into the household of God. Can you shout praise the Lord somebody? Amen. Amen. Why did we do what we did last week? Because we're trying to bring people into the household of God. And we're willing to give our time and our resources, praise God. Amen. I don't know about you, but I was tired after Sunday. Amen. And, and it may not be easy, but it is worth it because it's saying to the stranger, to somebody we don't even know, amen, to maybe somebody that doesn't even speak our language, we love you that much. We care for you, and it's our job because we partnered up with God to bring you into the household of God. And so when Jesus gives a parable and he says, the kingdom of God is like a woman who takes what? Three, how much flour? Three measures of flour. Amen. And it's until it leavens the whole. And he says, that's what the kingdom of God. What is he saying? Every literate, biblically literate Jew understood that he was referring to Abraham and the three measures that Abraham mentioned that the kingdom of God is going to be like Abraham, that the church is willing to pay the price to bring the stranger in, to see the kingdom of God expand. Stand with me, will you? What price are we willing to pay? That's why our Sunday school teachers, amen, and those that teach Bible studies, and those that witness and go out door knocking, and those that are here early to pray, amen, and those that go to the nursing home. You say, what are you going to get out of a nursing home? I'm, it's not about them coming here. It's about the bringing them into the family of God. Can you shout praise the Lord? Hallelujah. What price, Life Tabernacle, are we willing to pay? Are we willing to be some inconvenienced? Don't ask me to park in the back. 
Why do we do that? Because we want our guests to know and our new ones to know we want you into the family. And it doesn't matter. It's got to cost me a few more steps. I'm willing to do it. Why am I here early to pray? Because I want him into the family of God. Hallelujah. Why do I take time to teach a Bible study? Because I want them into the family of God. It's about redemption. Everybody say redemption. We're to be doing what Israel failed to do. Amen. I don't want us to fail to do it. Life Tabernacle. Hallelujah. What price are you willing to pay to see a world redeemed, to bring that stranger in? Why do we shake hands, go around and shake hands? Oh, brother, I got to get out of my seat. There's a purpose. And I'm so glad you're part of the family of God. You're here, man. We're glad you're here. We want to welcome you. Sometimes we can't even do that. But I'm glad that most of you do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why well, have them out there at the door? Man, we're glad you're here. Hallelujah. We say we want revival. But revival really is reviving the church, and maybe we need that. What we need is redemption. Those paying that cost to buy back that which is lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many? Is there that used to be with us that are not with us anymore? Not because they've gone and started other families or works. Or maybe they've decided to go somewhere else to church. They're still part of the family of God. But they no longer are worshiping and really part of that family. Do we just forget about them? Sometimes there's nothing we can do like the prodigal's father. But there's a God that can put him in a pig pen that causes him to say, you know what? It's better in the household. And when they come back to the household, that our arms are open. That we're not like the elder son saying, well, you better prove yourself. You better prove yourself. No, let's celebrate. They've come home. Redemption. Hallelujah. How many is redeemed today? You've been redeemed. How many want to partner up with the Lord? Praise God. You want to partner up with Jesus. This altar's open for his partners. Praise God. Maybe you haven't, maybe you're not a part of the household of God today. This altar's open to you. You're welcome. Praise God. We want you in his household. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. It's about redemption. It's about redemption. He's paid it. He's paid it. 
You're free if you want it. You're welcome back in the household of God. You were on the auction block, but he paid the price. Hallelujah. Amen of you. Oh God, hallelujah.